So this evening I'd like to share with you some thoughts, some teachings, some reflections on the theme of Anicca, impermanence. And uh, it's intending for it to be one of three. So you can guess what the other two talks are going to be about. Going on buses and chocolate. No, no, wrong. (laughs) Although it could be dukkha, anatta, (laughs) unsatisfactory. (laughs) And yeah, that word, anatta, not me, not mine, ownerless, insubstantial. So this, I was sitting here kind of trying to find a way to start and not really finding a way. So I thought, well, I better just start because, you know, I haven't got all night. Um, And uh, I was listening, you know, as probably you have been, to the sound of the wind in the trees. And just noticing the enjoyment of that sound and its changing nature. So, um, yeah, this talk really is maybe just to highlight this theme, this aspect of our experience and how it shows up in the teachings as something to really understand and to see directly, intimately. As, and and that, that has a very powerful a potential for freeing the mind from 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 suffering and stress and and so as as is so often the case in the dharma don't you have this natural quality of you know that we're all in touch with probably to some degree different times of just this sense of change of things changing and and that's just everything all the time and maybe sometimes we're more aware of this and then Sometimes we're not really aware of that. So, as with, as with everything, we can also cultivate this. We can incline our minds towards this. And, and, and one of the lovely things about preparing a talk, so some very unlovely things as well, um, but a really lovely part of it is just this opportunity to to reconnect and re-reflect and revalue and sort of highlight and it's like a sort of this ongoing you know sense of illuminating different aspects of the teaching and every time you know you revisit it it's kind of a new sense of of understanding maybe because you know we're changing as well so our understanding is sort of evolving in some way and I find that most wonderful kind of there's always this freshness to the teachings because in a way we, we, we've never experienced Anicca, maybe just how we might experience it right now. And just because of the changing conditions, you know, externally, internally. And it's kind of always, a, yeah, kind of available for us. And so this week, for my homework, you know, I've been... Practicing noticing in nature. It's great. <laughs> you know, and I know you, you, you all probably practice with this and, and, and how naturally it comes up in our practice, doesn't it? And so, so often 
like I hear it in the conversations we have, either you know named explicitly and highlighted or just sort of almost in the background of yeah well yesterday there was you know and then today I'm hmm, well you know <laughs> this sort of gesture that a lot of you make in an interview which is like this <laughs> so for those of you who may not be able to see it's like I'm making wave motion going up and down with my hand you know and that sense of the wave like motion of of of, of every moment of experience you know and I, I I'm not a scientist but I love that you know, a little bit I understand about the wave-like nature of the tiniest sort of elements of our experience, you know, and it's like you look at it one way and it's a wave, you look at it another way, it's a particle. I love, I love this kind of, depending on how you're looking, <laughs> or what you're looking for, right? The, the, the observer is shaping what's observed. Ah, oh, that's physics, isn't that modern physics? I think I'm not wrong. Well, you can write a note to me and correct me if you like that. And isn't that part of, again, how the wonder of the Buddha's teachings and that we have this incredible sort of, you know, human mind kind of opportunity, laboratory, to kind of see this very, very directly, this dependent arising, this kind of things changing as a result of how you look at them. It's like, wow, you know, if you, so, so the, these three talks I want to, um, yeah, just to reflect a bit on this um, insight, you know, what, what, is, what does that mean and, and how do we, what is that, um, how, how do we understand that? And again, probably, you know, an important thing to keep reflecting on and this uh, deepening our understanding of it. And so this anicca, this impermanence, is one of the elements of, of experience, of all conditioned experience. Again, that's for us to check out, you know. Sort of, and this is part of how the Buddha teaches and encourages us to keep, you know, we're looking and seeing how every, every element, every aspect of experience has this sort of wave-like quality. Um, and that when we attend, when we perceive that, it has the effect of um, lessening or uh, ending dukkha, suffering, stress. But that's, yeah, so um, I wanted to share with you some um, thoughts on how we might define um, insight from Rob Babea. Um, his book, Seeing That Freeze, which is in the library, and a lot of this talk, <laughs> so if you want, it's all in there, <laughs> or most of it. Um, so he, he says, insight is any realization, understanding, or way of seeing that brings to any degree a dissolution of or a decrease in dukkha. Hmm? So any realization, understanding, or way of seeing that brings to some degree, maybe very small, maybe very significant, you know, some sense of the of the of the dissolving, the, the cessation of of the of the dukkha. And maybe I'll pause at this point because I I, I think again I. I hear this a lot. It's very, it's very moving in interviews sometimes. And 
and people report how you know some aspect of the mind or experience is like just being seen in a different way and how something easing something freed up something like oh you know and that's you know that's it isn't it it's this great sort of different different varieties we could say you know intensities of that um and how um it's not a certain experience we need to attain i think this is something we need to come back to again and again because whilst the but it talks about perception attainments as a skillful means it's not it's not that we can keep hold of or grasp it's um and and we can so fall into that can't we of somehow i'm going to get this and then i'm going to be able to see everything sensibly forever <laughs> oh dear oops <laughs> that lasted half a minute half a second <laughs> and again the changing shifting nature of the mind and it's so really helpful to realize that this is not it's not like a certain experience we've we've got to get um it also something maybe to keep remembering and emphasizing is that the insight that's being talked about and I know you all know this you've all had experience of, of of this where it's like you you really see it you get it you feel it it's like it's not an idea it's like oh right um you know again big or small and and maybe you know very very modest ways and i want to talk about that a bit later of ways of some you know attuning our interest to this shifting changing nature in very simple ordinary you know non kind of cosmic ways and it can get very cosmic maybe but it doesn't have to be and that's all so helpful maybe just like you know as you listen to the talk that sense of there's the anicca happening the rising and passing of the sounds and that sense of your own experience the body sounds of the insects and just oh so in a very simple way we can just notice and even if you don't take it up as a principal theme in your retreat you know maybe again you can just at times spend a few moments just opening to yeah what what might i perceive right now of this truth of change is happening all the time mm. so we learn maybe sometimes we learn <laughs> sometimes it takes a while sometimes it takes a long while sometimes but somehow we learn maybe little by little or sometimes yeah that ah this helps this way when i look at experience in this way it's like yeah it helps generally to loosen things up decrease of dukkha you know and i sometimes think that some of our practice is is really like um the principle of i heard it in a talk once by maybe carol wilson of shaking the rattle you have the two year old who's having a tantrum or something or you know over here and then you you sort of shake the rattle and it goes oh happy happy 
So maybe, you know, even I've noticed that this week that sometimes simply by turning, tuning the attention to the anicca, it's like just taking the mind away from the other less helpful ways it may have been looking at experience like I did this and I should do that and they're like this and oh dear and yeah so uh yeah and so it's something to really explore and examine to see what happens because we're always I mean, there's always some way we're looking at things and I think this can also we can also understand this as one of the powers of metta loving kindness goodwill as a as a practice and as a natural like what happens when you when you perceive something with kindness with love you know and what happens when when you don't you know and I again I'm thinking of sort of conversations with people here recently and this really amazing beautiful sense of something really changes when I can see myself with kindness. You know, and that's not just an idea, but there's a real, ah, this being, you know, and nothing needs to have changed. I don't need to have suddenly cheered up and, you know, become normal or something. Or <laughs> just the same muddle, but seen with kindness. What difference that makes. This is so crucial in our world, isn't it? So whilst we're focusing on Anicca, I just, I just really want to include these other, you know, other possibilities. And, um, yeah, so, so Rob sums this up as any seeing that frees, to, to some degree. Mm. So, uh, let's see. Hmm. I want to share teaching from the Buddha, which is sort of one place where he's um, talking about these, um, these three characteristics, the Anicca, the dukkha, the anatta, the, again, the different ways we might sort of understand or different aspects of those, of the, the changing nature of things, the unsatisfactoriness, and all of these different words can be useful at different times. And the sense of the, of, 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 of none of the, none of, no phenomena having a, a self or a sort of solid, separate kind of existence, this sense of that and how, yeah, that's all experience is this, um, yeah, interdependent, codependent kind of fabrication coming together, falling apart kind of experience. And, um, the, the experience or the perception, the direct perception of impermanence, say, of a Nietzsche, can roll into a sense of the groundlessness. So there's no, nothing fixed and solid to get hold of and make dukkha out of. And so 
then in and then that can open into this sense of this this sort of selflessness or the lack of the you know i or me or mine sort of it can it can kind of how do you say sort of just roll out like that um so these aspects maybe because once you open to some part of the truth the rest of the truth comes with it it's it's whole it's whole maybe that's part of the you know the sign of a true insight is like you feel your whole being kind of resonating with it you know like like a bell so maybe sometimes we feel like insight comes as if out of the blue you know and we're being rung like a bell if you maybe you've had those i have say like, whoa and then maybe other times we can practice more intentionally you know to to ring the bell to sound and of course the bell is a great um, example of anicca change sound changing So, just to read you a bit, I'm changing a few words to hopefully make it more inclusive. Practitioners, form is impermanent. What is impermanent is suffering. What is suffering is non-self. What is non-self should be seen as it really is with correct wisdom. Thus, this is not mine. This I am not, this is not myself. When one sees thus as it really is with correct wisdom, the mind becomes dispassionate and is liberated from the taints by non-clinging. So maybe this is another way, isn't it, in which the this sense of, of freeing, of being of, of release, of, of the mind being freed from dukkha through non-clinging, and how doesn't it make sense when you the the the, the perception of impermanence? If we're focusing on that this evening, again, as, as I was saying, you know, it, it has this natural. I think when you settle back and you settle, kind of settle back, and you just have that sense of the flow, observing the flow, and then maybe at times being the flow. You know, where's the dukkha there? Doesn't it just, yeah, it can really fade. You know, maybe not completely, but maybe to, 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 to a great extent. And the same with feeling, no, perception, volitional formations, and consciousness. So these are the five aggregates, aren't they? When we, at times, you know, maybe some of you use this. You just go through all the different strands or elements of experience, you know, sort of noticing its impermanence. And I want to come back to that more, a bit more later. Um, uh, I wanted to share um, 
quotation from Ayakima um, about these aggregates. She said, is it, it is useful to remind ourselves in all waking moments that body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations and consciousness have no core substance, are all impermanent, changing from moment to moment. If we remain aware of the impermanence that exists, our difficulties seem far less important. So it's something to check out, isn't it? It's something to check out, again, as a more intentional practice to see what happens when you bring, you tune into this this aspect of experience and just see. I mean, it's all an experiment, really, isn't it? It's uh, It's... Because we're not being asked to believe anything, thank goodness. That was one of the things attracted me to Buddhism. I don't know about you, but I was like, wow, this is great. Spiritual practice without having to be asked to believe anything. So so another place I wanted to um, touch on, with the sense of how um, this perception of impermanence, this, this um, being in touch with, we could do seeing, maybe some of us are more kinesthetic, maybe it's a hearing, you know, different kinds of learning. Uh, it's so deeply ingrained in the Satipatthana Sutta, isn't it? It's just riddled with it, so in the refrain. And, and I think this is really something about understanding how mindfulness and the practice of that, the cultivation of that, it's like naturally, doesn't it naturally kind of mature or deepen into a sense of just starting to be more in touch with the changing nature. But the Buddha really points to it very clearly, very strongly, very repeatedly in this sutta. Probably you all know it really well. But I just wanted to really bring that into this talk to see that it doesn't have to be separate from, and I know, you know there's a range of ways of practicing here. So it's like you don't have to change what you're doing. It's just a sort of like, ah, oh, you know, with the breath, with the body, with the changing thoughts, it's all, it's all, it's here. It's, so, so the Buddha in the refrain, right, the refrain that goes with every single contemplation, in the whole of the, um, in the whole of the four foundations of mindfulness, was just um, yeah. I'll just I'll just go over it. The 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 body. So in this way, the practitioner dwells contemplating the body in the body, internally, or they dwell contem- contemplating the body externally or internally, or both internally and externally, or else they dwell contemplating the body, contemplating in the body, its nature of arising, or they dwell contemplating in the body, its nature of vanishing, or they dwell contemplating in the body, its nature, both of arising 
and vanishing. So just something to take up at times if you wish and this is like beginning to, you know, I think tune the interest to the, wow, it's possible to be aware of the body just rising and vanishing. It's like, oh, <laughs> in every moment. To me that, you know, and then maybe it takes some patience And of course it takes some degree of steadiness, stability of mind, steadiness of attentiveness, samatha, samadhi, right? So, yeah, I mean, you can't really talk about the insight part, the vipassana, without talking about the samatha, can you? Because somehow you, you, you can't, you need both, they're both part of this process. And I was reflecting, I don't know how it is for you, but I think I, I have a sense of the, in my own process, they work much more together. I don't, you know, kind of times maybe, you know, we cultivate one and then the other. But how, like this week I've noticed how the, the insight way of looking, yeah, the way of seeing, the focusing on a nature can be calming. Saying, oh, no, it's not. Like I'm going to get really calm sort of in a couple of months, then I'll be able to. Uh, but we can, see, you, we, we can see right now, maybe for some of us that's, you know, that's kind of how it works. Um, and then somehow then we're a little calmer, the mind gets a bit quieter, and then we can see more clearly. Ah, do you see? I mean, and you all know this, I'm sure. But the way then those two kind of aspects of the process kind of come together, work together, support each other. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a bit more about the direct perception of, of Anicca, but also I'd like to kind of take a slight dog leg and talk about slightly different practice, but very very connected, um, and that is the practice which is called the five daily recollections or the five topics for frequent reflection. And I often do a whole talk on this, but I just wanted to touch on this because it feels like in the realm of contemplating impermanence, to contemplate one's own, the mortality of this body, this, the, the, this, this uh, nature, again that word nature, of the nature to arise and pass, of the nature to be born and die, of the nature to age, of the nature to get sick, to sicken, to decay of the nature to die and how this reflection maybe if you practice it um, I think how much it can maybe help us to be more 
um, open to this more, if you could say, radical moment-to-moment kind of openness to the shifting and permanent nature of things because so much, I think for so many of us, so much of our energy and our attention and our mind almost unconsciously is caught up in, you know, resisting that, not wanting to know that, trying to get over that or, you know, all the the different very, very normal human reactivities around, you know, I don't want to get old or, I, you know... Um, <laughs> It shouldn't be sick, you know, these kinds of things. And and then somehow that sense of when there's an alignment with that truth, again, when we can see, you know, maybe that, seeing that as another skillful way of seeing, a way of looking, which is compassionate, which is wise, and seeing what what is the response or what is the, does it ease, does it maybe ease some dukkha? or maybe a lot, to really be, to find some sense of attunement with, with this truth. And, and obviously it's recommended as a frequent reflection because it's not, you know, we seem to be so habituated or so conditioned to, like, you know, not, you know, deny, um, try and avoid, etc. Yeah. So yeah, I I I um I'm just gonna I'm gonna read them out. I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature to die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. And now this, there's a lot, obviously, again, a whole talk or a series of talks on this. and But I also wanted to share a way that I translated it, which some of you probably heard, which helped me to kind of connect and to, to um, be able to let this reflection or this perception, don't you see it in the mirror sometimes? I mean, I've noticed with my glasses, you know, my eye, my eye, my close sight is fading, my long sight is still good. But sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I think, oh dear, <laughs> it's like, because if I look at it without my glasses, I don't see so much of the signs of aging in my face. And then I'm like, oh my God, oh dear, yeah, I think I'll take them off again. <laughs> You know, and it's like, I'm sure you have your own kind of versions of of that. Um, Yeah, yeah, so it's um, something, something to see that. And and I I can, you know, and perhaps you've had this as well with maybe being close to someone who's growing older and this sort of, when, when there's love, when there's care, it's such a support to what is difficult to perceive, it's difficult to see, it's difficult to really acknowledge the truth of that person fading and, and disintegrating. But the love, the love is, is so supportive. So this sort of sense of it's loving, it's compassionate for you and for them. To be able to see that, to not look away, to not judge, to not make it wrong, to not make them wrong, 
not make me wrong for finding it difficult or yeah so um yeah i'm thinking very much of my foster mum who died years ago and and had a long a long old age if you like of of fading and how i would go and sit and there was a point where you know she couldn't really communicate anymore and she would sleep a lot so i just go and sit there and i would just sit sit with her and look at her and i made these drawings like i was trying to sort of really look and see and kind of get the shape and the lines on the face and trying to sort of be stay connected with something that felt so difficult felt so painful felt so yeah hard to bear hard to see and of course impermanence isn't always like that isn't it sometimes it's beautiful to see like a sunset and sometimes it's difficult to see so for me as it's often the case and i don't know if it's true for you but bringing in metta bringing in love compassion it seems to make it seems to support and like allow the opening allow the allow the seeing and allow that to be healing to be freeing so i translated the traditional phrases thus breathing gently i lovingly remember this body is aging and i like the part of the reason why i did this was because i could say this body this body this body nice no, like that's yeah so breathing gently i lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness breathing gently i lovingly remember this body will die breathing gently i lovingly remember that loss is part of life breathing gently i lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom i will put it on the board for anybody who's interested so that last line kind of segues back into um this practice here and now with what's happening is something we can turn to at times as a way of meeting the moment with wisdom mm just one way not the only way of noticing noticing sound like i did with the bell or sensations in the body the if you're being with the breathing you know it's like very easy so what you you might do with that when you just stay with the same practice you're doing but you just every now and then you just take a few moments or a few minutes and you just shift slightly so that you're with the breathing but you're feeling or seeing the impermanence of it the changingness this the inconstancy the 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 changing sensations right so you're that's the difference so it's it's still breathing but what you're interested in what you're kind of tuning your interest or attention to is it's it's changing nature yeah and again there might be different words aren't there we hear rising and passing 
you know, expansion, contraction, you might, you know, what is it for you? But it, Or it just simply, that sense of, like a very gentle note, somewhere, somewhere quietly nearby, change, changing. And then you just feel, you just let the mind tune in a little bit to that. And if you're not used to this, it can take a little while, but my sense is it's just more accessible than, than you might think. So noticing, exp- making experiments maybe. Maybe at times it's really helpful to notice Vedana, you know, feeling, pleasure, pleasure pain. That's really, really um, interesting. Just to, oh, it's changing, changing. Changing, pleasant, oh, unpleasant, oh, it's like pleasant again. You know, it's like neutral, 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 neutral. It's not boring. Unpleasant. <laughs> Go and look for something to do, cup of tea, pleasant. Anyway, you know, you know how it goes. <laughs> and so anyway, it's just, just something to play with if you if you wish. It's just like... Sometimes I've done a kind of a day of tracking um, emotion, mood, mind state, any one of those you might. That's very interesting. It takes maybe a little more stability, a little more concentration or steadiness. But that's very interesting to kind of, I, I, I somehow the image I have is I'm sort of crouched down following this animal around. <laughs> kind of, oh, these like, oh, there's everything. Or it's like it keeps changing shape or, you know, then I lose track of it and then I find it again in a corner and it's, it's really changed shape. It's all spiky now, you know. It was like furry and smooth and now it's like, you know. <laughs> it's like this animal, it keeps changing shape. Or... Anyway, you get the idea. But just, it's like to see that and even having the intention to see, like, ah. Oh, can you? It's like that's that's in the service of non-clinging, and there's no big fireworks and kaboom, and I've finally got it. It's this just gentle kind of ah, oh, you know, getting a taste for that more disengaged, still in contact, still present, but you know, just attending to the changing nature of all of this. And I, yeah, many, many more. I won't go on too much longer, but just maybe you get the sense that you can focus on different areas of your experience. You could be very narrow. You could be very broad. Totality. Totality of just settle back, hang out in the universe, and see what's changing. (laughs) And then again, it's a kind of not pushing or demanding or seeing, seeing what, what, who knows what you might, what you might notice. And sometimes I, I feel like a lot of my practice is, is seeing the changing of attention. Like, oh my goodness, just rushing about here and there, doing this and that and not doing, not behaving properly and <laughs> staying with something and. But sometimes I feel like, yeah, even that can be freeing because I'm not in charge. Neither are you, anyway. Um, (laughs) 
you know, we're not, we can't, but then, ah, look at that, just settling back and noticing attention, zooming around. It's like, that's calming. You just, yeah. So again, different things to explore, maybe, if you, if you wish. Um, I wanted to share lots of things, maybe a few more things. Um... um um, <laughs> I find, I find it. Yeah, two two of my fa- really quotations I love about impermanence, which maybe kind of from two great teachers who that kind of points to the the great liberating potential of of this perception of this understanding. Um, so one from Tsongkhapa Chamyong Kyentse, who wrote, um, "If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. If one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking, and therefore one lives fully." We'll put that on the board for you as well. It's a great one. If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. If one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking, and therefore one lives fully. So maybe one more and then yeah. Um, so this is from Ajahn Buddhadasa. Nirvana is the coolness of letting go, the inherent delight of existence when there is no grasping or resistance to life. It is always available. So maybe before before I ring the bell, I just just let's contemplate impermanence just for a few moments, if you're willing. It's very simple, noticing whatever sounds. Sensations. Mental stuff, thoughts. It's noticing how you don't have to go looking for it. It's right here.
so thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.